millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday. Here we go. Soccer morning right here on WorldSoccerTalk.com. I am sorry. I am distracted. It is astounding what Javinko did yesterday for Toronto FC. Yes, uh, Toronto Football Club. I don't think they even call themselves that. I think they just call them Toronto. call themselves Toronto FC. I don't believe the FC actually means football club officially, but we all know what it means. Sebastian Javinko, Sebastian Javinko, Sebastian Javinko. They're in the playoffs. That's what I was going to say. Toronto FC is in the playoffs. Did you ever believe this day would come? We are here. It has happened. Pack your bags. The apocalypse is now. Something like that. But when you make a great signing like Sebastian Javinko, you get the just rewards. We're going to get into all of that. We'll talk all about Sebastian Javinko and the glory that is Sebastian Javinko in today's program, we had lined up a discussion on the woes of the Dutch national team that has fallen through at the last minute. Uh, so we will work to do other stuff today. We'll take your phone calls today. We'll talk, uh, you know, if you want to move on from the U.S. national team and Jurgen Klinsmann and all that stuff, we can do that. I don't think that people are ready to move on. In a world where the news cycle turns over every 24 hours, this seems to be uh, a story that has some legs to it. So maybe we'll continue there. Maybe we'll talk about the MLS playoff race. Let me start the news in that area. As I mentioned, Toronto FC claiming their first ever playoff berth with a 2-1 win over the New York Red Bulls at BMO Field. The goals from Hercules Gomez and Sebastian Jovinko. Sebastian Jovinko played for Italy yesterday. Looked great. Who Who did they beat, Trevor? I'm sorry, it's out of my brain already. Italy won Norway. They beat Norway in a European qualifier yesterday. Italy's already in the, in the field for uh, France 2016. They're good to go. Sebastian Javinko was astounding in that match. He was a whirling dervish of talent. And then he got on an airplane. He flew to Toronto. He landed at 3.45 local time yesterday. Then he hoofed it to the, to the stadium, got himself ready, sat on the bench, got called upon, came into the game, and scored an amazing goal. The goal of the year. Uh, I don't know that there's a, a way to overstate how amazing that is. This is the stuff of legend. I mean, this is, no matter what Toronto does in these playoffs, the fact they never made the playoffs, and Javinko played in Europe, got on a plane, Got off a plane, scored the goal, scored a goal. It wasn't the winning goal, but it was the difference. Well, it turned out to be the winning goal. Excuse me, it was. It was 2 nothing at the time. New York got one back, so it turned out to be the winning goal. The fact that he did that, I, you, can't, I, you can't put... <laughs> I'm, I'm at a loss here, and I want to go back and watch the goal six more times. FC Dallas beating Vancouver 2 nothing in MLS play last night to inch closer to the top spot in the Western Conference. Things to be decided still out west, but FC Dallas with a big three points. Portland beating RSL 1-0 on a controversial penalty at Rio Tinto Stadium. 
The Timbers move three points closer to the playoffs, clear of San Jose, uh, but not yet in the field. UEFA leaders are demanding answers of Michelle Platini in regards to that 2011 payment from FIFA, that two million uh, million Swiss francs payment that he received, which was, according to Platini, unpaid salary from his job as FIFA President Sepp Blatter's advisor between 1998 and 2002. There is no written contract. Platini has not produced a written contract. And now uh, UEFA membership are not happy about it. Executive Committee member Alan Hansen, who was also a member of FIFA's Audit and Compliance Committee, said earlier this week he could no longer support Platini if there was no written contract. Quote, I expect to get some further information because I didn't so far. This is what he said when he arrived in Geneva. Honorary UEFA President Leonard Johansson, who was uh, previous UEFA president, uh, said he never heard about this uh, this deal. Asked if Platini continue running, uh, should continue running UEFA. Johansson responded, I doubt it. We cannot be in the lead of the biggest sport in the world. We cannot have people who are corrupted. That is important, but I don't judge him yet. We shall see what happens with Mitzur Platini. New, Mex- uh, sorry, New Mexico national team head coach, not New Mexico the state, but New Mexico national team head coach Juan Carlos Osorio had his first press conference in that job yesterday in Mexico. A couple of quotes here. Opportunities come along, and I know people will question me more as a selector than as a coach. But I hope to get it right because this is a great opportunity and I hope to give everything to meet expectations. We understand the great responsibility to the Mexican people, which is a football nation par excellence that historically has produced great football stars. Uh, So that's uh, Juan Carlos Osorio stepping in to take over Fortuco Ferretti as Mexico national team head coach. Santos of Brazil is seeking a six-month ban for Neymar and seeking 55 million euros in damages over what they call non-compliance of contract terms during his transfer to Barcelona. Uh, the club is seeking uh, is invoking excuse me, Article 17 of the FIFA transfer rules regarding the consequences of terminating a contract without just cause. A FIFA committee will now decide whether there is sufficient evidence to suspend the Barcelona star. We've got Messi dealing with tax evasion. The Neymar transfer apparently is a debacle and has been for a very long time. Uh, things are weird at Barcelona. Speaking of Barcelona, uh, well, we'll get to that in a second. FC Dallas has unveiled a plan for the $39 million stadium upgrade that includes um, a National Soccer Hall of Fame project. They unveiled this yesterday. There are images over at MLSsoccer.com. Go have a look. It's it's like sort of, it's like soft core stadium porn. Construction it will begin in 2016 with completion at the end of 2017. Uh, this project includes, again, stadium upgrades, including a roof over a portion of the stands there um, at Toyota Field. Is it Toyota Field? Yeah. Uh, and, the, and the Hall of Fame project. Uh, the Hall of Fame has been homeless since the Oneonta, New York uh, facility closed in 2010 due to financial struggles. All right, back to Barcelona. I got these way out of order, but here you go. Barcelona are taking their bid to get Arda Turan registered to the Court of Arbitration for Sport. The Turkish playmaker joined from Atletico Madrid, but has been unable to play with Barcelona because of the transfer ban imposed on Barcelona because they were signing kids from other countries before they were 18 years old and bringing them in to La Masia. So there you go. Barca is attempting to use a rule that allows for a player who will miss a long spell to be replaced. They obviously lost Rafinha for six months due to a knee injury. All right, there's some news. Sets the stage. Gets you guys going. Phone lines open in just a minute. Soccer morning. WorldSoccerTalk.com. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Facing the crowd. You're talking too loud. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. All right, here we go on a Thursday. It's a good day for phone calls. 646-832-3909 is your phone number. Uh, you know, I, I set up today's show on Twitter by saying that I was going to talk about Sebastian Jovenko, and rightfully so. Uh, quote, um, what he did yesterday is the stuff of legend, no hyperbole. I said that at the top of the show as well. That, and, and, of course, it's the goal 
in isolation, but it's more than the goal in isolation that gets Toronto into the playoffs. It's it's the fact that he uh, that he flew across an ocean uh, in a day and did this back played in back to back days. Whatever, it, it, that's the legendary part. Okay, and even if you want to discount that achievement or that, like it's modern travel, it's not that stressful. He probably was in first class. He's only like 5'3", plenty of leg room. <laughs> even if you want to do that, even if you want to be that guy, nobody does this. It's not usual. It's unique. It's, it's special. And because it's special, it will go down in history. This is even, not even about the achievement necessarily. It's about how we're going to perceive the achievement 20 years from now. When Toronto FC fans look back on the 2015 season, the first thing they're going to think about, just like, you know, just like Bucky Dent in 78. Was that 78? My year's wrong. 70, whatever that was. Just like Bucky Dent. Just like, uh, you know, the, the White Clark in the end zone. Just like Jordan and, and, and the flu game. Just like, whatever. Whatever the moment is that your sports team has that is the legendary moment. I mean, I don't know there are a lot of MLS teams that have this moment. I think you should be jealous of Toronto FC if you're not a fan today. They have this moment forever. If you haven't watched the video with the sound, the, the live call on the broadcast version, go do that because the roar is what I live for. That moment when, when Sebastian Devenko's shot goes in the back of the net, beats Luis Robles, and the crowd explodes... I mean, how great is that moment? Yeah, okay, Red Bull fans are probably not happy. Eddie's probably not happy, says Andrew on Twitter. <laughs> and, and all of you people who want to diminish the goal by pointing out the poor defending, yes, you have a point, the defending is not great, but who cares right now? <laughs> I mean, who cares right now? Just just enjoy that thing that Jovinko did. Yeah, Zubar looked like an idiot, okay? <laughs> Trevor says he did score it in Canada, so it's only worth half a real goal, to be honest. <laughs> no, it wasn't it three isn't it usually like three quarters of a goal? It's like three quarters of a goal. Six four six eight three two thirty nine oh nine. Maybe that's the topic right now. Maybe that's the the thing we should we should ponder as Javinko makes that moment for TFC, that legendary moment. I mean, the moment that sports writers drool over. If you write about sports for a living, you dream about having that moment to write. It doesn't matter who does it. It doesn't matter what team it happens for. You want to be covering that team or covering that game, and you want it to mean something. I mean, there have been amazing performances in MLS in the regular season. How many of them do you remember? Really remember, not just because it's part of the long slog from March to November, but because it meant something, because it was truly transcendent. I mean, Eric Winalda's first ever goal. Does that is that something that stands out? The first ever goal in MLS history. Is that something that stands out for I guess Earthquakes fans? I mean it's not even the same franchise, but it is the same lineage. And they were the clash back then. Uh, there, there are, there are, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure Quakes fans have other moments from winning titles. I know Galaxy fans have moments from winning titles. Maybe it's, maybe it's Robbie Keane against, uh, against the Quake. I mean, sorry, against the, the revolution. Uh, maybe it's, I mean, I'm, I'm, I need help here. Really? What's that moment for you? Do you have that moment? Do, do, is there, does every MLS team have one at least? Can we, can we make sure that everybody gets at least, what's well, only fair? DC United's probably got a couple that are just escaping me at the moment. Uh, let's see. I, I, I'm go back to the to the and the part of this is part of the function is that you know obviously the popularity of MLS has improved has increased over the course of time. So over 20 years, the number of people paying attention has grown, and that means that the people who were there were a smaller number of people around say 15 years ago. If you have a DC United moment that stands out. Like maybe you are one of those people who has been around that long, but for a lot of DC United fans, that's something they've seen in a video, maybe, or don't even, maybe don't even, never even seen it. They know about the championships, but they don't know about those moments. The title game in the rain 
at RFK Stadium. What what year was that with the Revolution losing to the Dynamo? Uh, there are iconic moments in MLS history. But I think it's important to keep in mind that the 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 profile of those icon- iconic moments, those they don't, it's not that they become more iconic because of the popularity of the league, but they certainly become more well-known, which only spreads the legend further again. And Benjamin Rose on, on Twitter, arrows underscore of underscore light. Credit where it's due, sure. But call me when he can do it in a league where one player does not earn 140 times that of his teammates. Sad, Benjamin. I mean, yeah, that's it's bad that some players earn that much more than their teammates, but why can't we just enjoy this moment? Why can't we just revel in what Sebastian Jovinko did yesterday? It's not something you're going to see very often. We want to puncture everything now. We're all cynical bastards. Can't just sit back and go, wow. We have to go, wow, but yeah, you know, salaries disparity and and bad defending. I mean, I, I've never seen a great goal short of a rocket from 40 yards where there's absolutely nothing anybody can do about it. I've never seen a great goal that didn't get this comment immediately after. Yeah, but what were the defenders doing? Yeah, but what was the goalkeeper doing? Marcel de Jong scored a fantastic goal for Canada in that game against Ghana on Tuesday night. Maybe one of the the best goals Canada's had in a decade. And their fans were rightfully excited. And I went and looked at the video and somebody said, What is the goalkeeper doing? What is the goalkeeper doing? Come on. That's not, that's, where's your sense of fun? <coughs> Where is that? Uh. <coughs> Twitter's down. Twitter's down. That's a disaster. If Twitter is down, that just means call me. 646-832-3909. Like I said, we were originally planning on going in depth on the, on the woes of the, the Dutch national team. That we'll save that for a different day. Um, there are other, there are other topics uh, top of mind this morning. Uh, you got two other games last night in MLS. I'm not trying to discount FC Dallas beating Vancouver, big win for FC Dallas, or Portland going on the road and beating RSL. That's that's an important win for Portland. Now I don't think they played great. I know that the the penalty was controversial because it may have happened outside the box. In fact, it definitely did happen outside the box. Uh, RSL fans not too happy about it. This is it. RSL's done. I mean, are they they're not mathematically eliminated yet. I don't think. But it's very very. It's going to be very difficult to imagine them getting into the playoffs at this point. I saw the ESPN Paul Carr numbers. I don't remember what RSL's percentage was, but it was extremely low. They're on forty one points right now. Two games left. They can only max out at 47, and that's where the Timbers and Sounders are right now. So the Timbers and Sounders would both have to lose their last two games. San Jose would not be able to pick up any more points. Or if they did get to 47, RSL would need the tiebreaker, and I'm not sure they're going to get that based on uh, goal differential. It's possible. I mean, there's just too much ahead of them. This is going to end seven years of making the playoffs for Real Salt Lake. This is going to end the longest streak in MLS history of making the playoffs. Nobody's done a, nobody's done it longer than RSL, and I think it's I think it's the end of an era. I think we're seeing a fundamental change in who RSL is. They're going to have players leaving that team just due to age. Javier Morales is not going to be, do it, be, be able to do it forever. Nick Romando is not going to be able to do it forever. Although he's a goalkeeper, maybe maybe he can. Kyle Beckerman is not going to be able to do it forever. They traded, they traded away Alvaro Sabarillo. They have yet to really find a consistent performer at the number nine position, which they desperately need. Sabarillo maybe was not the answer anymore. But they had, they had, you know, they, they did catch lightning in a bottle with this team for a couple of seasons. They got the one MLS title. What's fascinating about the RSL and this run, this thing is, 
they won their title before they were ready, if that makes any sort of sense. What I mean by that is they instituted this program. They bring in Jason Christ. They've got Garth Lagaway pulling strings. And they were putting together what was going to be one of the more remarkable runs in MLS history in terms of playoffs. They were going to do it on a budget. They were going to do it in the smallest market in the league. They were going to have a build a stadium and put together this fantastic fan base. And they won their title before any of that matured. They won their championship at the very beginning of that process. And I just... Uh, I just think it's remarkable, and it absolutely deserves recognition, but as it deserves recognition, and we're doing it now because the curtain is coming down. They can, re, they can reform themselves. They can transition into a new era as a team, RSL, but I, I don't know what, that's going, what form that's going to take. Jeff Kassar is not Jason Christ. At least it doesn't seem that way yet. Garth Lagerway is gone. Bill Manning is gone. There are, is a lot of turnover at that club in the... Uh, in the highest positions there. And that's, again, sort of ignoring the fact they're going to have a lot of turnover in the player uh, in the player roster as well. 646-832-3909. Got a lot of show. You guys want to jump in here. <clears throat> uh, what do you make of this? What do you make of this um, Neymar situation? Barcelona from Santos. It's just been a mess from beginning to end. It's just been a... Uh, and look, he's a Barcelona player, and he's been a great Barcelona player, and he's helped them win a Champions League title. And, and I wasn't sure he was going to settle in as quickly as he did. He's an incredibly talented player, but I had questions about an individual star like Neymar, a player who is at Santos and certainly for the Brazilian national team, noted for being the one-man show, how he was going to work in uh, work in a system that is much more team-oriented at Barcelona. And he's done a fantastic job. You cannot, you cannot say anything negative about how he's played for Barcelona. But man, the process for him getting there, just a disaster. Lots of questions of whether or not Barcelona was paying people they shouldn't have been paying and greasing some palms. And now we've got this question of whether or not he terminated his contract inappropriately under FIFA rules. <clears throat> the FIFA transfer rules that, that they're calling into play here. Article 17, in a, uh, quote, in addition to the obligation to pay compensation, sporting sanctions shall also be imposed on any player found to be in breach of contract during the protected period. The sanction shall be a four-month restriction on playing in official matches. In the case of aggravating circumstances, the restriction shall last six months. Santos President Modesto Roma Jr. said that the suit is less, quote, against Neymar, unquote, than, and more, quote, in favor of the club, unquote. The, cl uh, the complaint follows a decision by the Brazilian court, by a Brazilian court, to freeze the assets of Neymar. His family and related businesses valued at 188.8 million Brazilian reals, $48 million. The Sao Paulo federal court said last month that the 23-year-old is alleged to have evaded 63 million Brazilian reals in taxes, which is about 16 million bucks, between 2011 and 2013. So we've got Neymar in a, in a tax uh, situation. Messi's in a tax situation. They're, the the his former club, Neymar's former club, is claiming he broke his contract inappropriately and should be banned for six months. How big of a story is it if Neymar's banned for six months? Can't I mean six months is a long time. Six months is knee injury. At least I mean that you know it could be longer for an injury, but that's sort of like a knee injury. And it wouldn't be because he's hurt. It would be because Santos proved that he broke some rules. Oh, I love transfer stuff. Here we go. Manchester United promised to splash the cash. Neymar in Woodward sites. Is Neymar going to Manchester United? Please. I'm catching up on my transfer rumors. I'm not that guy usually. There's <laughs> not. I mean, what what are the MLS transfer rumors I've heard recently? Uh, okay, so I think it's Maxwell. Is it Maxwell who's... Uh, 
attempting, like maybe considering moving continents. Now, because he says something like, I'm considering changing continents when my contract is up, immediately, immediately people go, oh, MLS. And maybe that's true. Maybe that's the obvious choice. He can go to China. He can go to Australia. There are other options on the table. But this is where MLS has has positioned itself. Anytime a player is considering leaving Europe and he's over the age of 30 and he still wants to play, MLS is going to be the top of the list. Somebody asked me, and I don't think this is a rumor, just a little bit of idle speculation, but somebody asked me if Ivanovic was on an MLS discovery list. Uh, somebody asked me on Twitter. I can't remember who it was. And again, it was completely, they, they weren't suggesting it was something that might happen or even that there was a rumor about it. Just saying, hey, does anybody have a discovery claim on Ivanovic? His contract to Chelsea ends fairly soon, whenever it is. I, I, those discovery lists are not public. We don't know which teams have put discovery claims on which players because otherwise that might wreck the negotiating process for MLS, right? The whole thing is about maintaining leverage as much as possible. And in, in the case of the discovery list, if everybody knew who had a claim, then that devalues their ability to negotiate, I guess. I don't know. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And the question about the discovery list, of course, is, hey, why do we have this quote-unquote discovery list when what? When an MLS player is discovering Ivanovic? They're discovering Zlatan? They're discovering Chicharito? No, of course they're not. I don't think the name really matters too much. It's just a name. But there are reasons to get rid of the discovery list. But, of course, that's... That would be a, a blow against parity and a blow against cost control. And MLS is maintaining their grip on cost control come hell or high water. It's a, it's a league that wants to invest in players like Sebastian Javinko. A, 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 an incredible asset to the league and Toronto FC and worth every penny of it. Worth every penny of his contract. He's loving life. He's, I mean, there may not be, there may not have been a player in MLS history who was doing as much for the profile of MLS as Sebastian Javinko outside of David Beckham. And Beckham's, Beckham's effect on the league wasn't necessarily about how good he was or how, how much fun he was having or the quality, whatever. He wasn't drawing attention to the quality of MLS. And in 2007, we know the quality was much, much weaker in, in MLS. It's a very different sort of era. And Javinko is, if Javinko was tearing up MLS the way he's been all year, then he went, he got called in by, by Italy and just fell flat, flat on his face. I mean, I know it's Norway and they're not a world beater, but come on, it's still, it's still international soccer. It's still UEFA qualifying. Still European qualifying. I mean, here's Big Heck on Twitter. The defending was not great in the Euro qualifier or on his goal against Red Bull. Still doesn't take away from his skill. That's my attitude. Javinko's a superstar in MLS who's actually translating that to other places to helping to help the league. I don't, it's not like Sebastian Javinko is going to suddenly turn MLS into a perceived top league in the world. Of course not. But there's a middle ground between MLS is good or great or approaching the level of a I don't know. We're, we try to be realistic about this. Nobody is saying MLS is is on the on the level of the top leagues in Europe. Nobody's saying that. I mean, if they are, slap them across the face. It's okay. I, you have my no no. Violence is not the answer. Never mind. Nobody's saying that. Nobody's saying MLS is whatever. But that doesn't mean it's terrible either. And good Lord, some of the things people put out that I saw some guy who covers Serie A yesterday talking to our friend Curtis Larson on Twitter. Curtis Larson, who covers TFC up in Toronto for the Toronto Sun. And the guys, the language he was using, the, the, the hyperbole in the negative direction he was using to characterize MLS as a 
Oh, it's a joke. It's the worst league. It's this is it, my mother could score goals in this league. Shut up. Shut up. You don't have to like MLS. You don't even have to think it's that great, but come on. You just make yourself look like a clown when you say stuff like that. Just like somebody who would say who says, Oh, MLS is as good as the Premier League. The Galaxy could compete in the top level of the Premier League. Okay, you look like a clown when you say that too. Let's be honest about this. And that none of that stuff, the perceived quality levels of these leagues, really has anything to do with the entertainment value. Excuse me. Well, okay. It can. Really bad soccer is boring. But we've all seen boring games in every league. Anyway, get off my, uh, I'll get off my high horse on that particular topic. When it comes to Jovinko's goal and the characterization that was just bad defending, I think what we, what we forget in these situations is an incredibly skilled player coming at a defender turns a defender, a good defender, into a bad one. Turns a mediocre defender into a terrible one. Turns a bad defender into one of the worst in the world. You don't know where Javinko's going. Now, there are a lot of players that you may be able to predict. They're not skillful enough to fool a defender. Or if they are, you still can predict. I mean, there are players who make one move into a career. There are players who have many, many moves and, again, make defenders look silly because the defender, you can't react you can't, you can't step out on Javinko. He will destroy you. He will destroy you. So you hesitate, and now you're done too. Doesn't matter. Either way, you're cooked. You step out on him, he'll go right by you. You back off, you hit a 30-yard crack, cracker and score a goal. Just a disaster for a defender to have to deal with Sebastian Javinko. Ah. 646-832-3909 is your phone number. Come and bask in the joy with me. Are you happy for TFC, finally? Can MLS fans across this league be happy for Toronto FC? Finally getting into the playoffs. No fan base in this league has suffered more than Toronto FC fans. I believe that. That's probably true, right? They were the Cleveland Browns of the MLS for a long time. It never looked like they were going to get it right. It always looked like it was going to be a disaster there in Toronto. You had you had people coming and going at the top levels. You had head coaches coming and going. At one point, you had Jurgen Klinsmann as a consultant handpicking Aaron Venter. That was a disaster. Toronto FC has been around since 2007. Not a long time. Not really. I mean, it feels like a long time because MLS time is weird like, that way. But they've been around since 2000. They started in 2007. Here's their list of head coaches. 2007. That's eight years. Is this their eighth, their eighth season or their ninth season? I can't. I never figured that out. Mo Johnston, John Carver, Chris Cummins, Precky, Nick Dasovich, Aaron Venter, Paul Mariner, Ryan Nelson, Greg Vanny. Are you kidding me? That's crazy. Bill in New York. Uh, Bill, you're a Red Bulls fan, right? I'm trying to move on past this week, Jason. <laughs> okay. This was not a good week for us. No, 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 no. I, and, you know, I, I, I am. Go ahead. I, I, I'm one of those people that I'm a Red Bulls fan. I'm also an MLS fan, a huge MLS fan. And, and I'm, I'm glad Toronto made the playoffs. I just wish it didn't have to happen on Wednesday night. Well, okay, yeah, of course. But you guys are in. I still think you're going to finish first in the East. Uh, I, I, the, the Supporter Shield is still in your... The, the odds are in your favor to grab the Supporter Shield. Uh, I think everything's going to be okay. But yeah, to, to lose you know, to lose on Wednesday night, to let Toronto celebrate in front of you. Josie out the door. Bill, what the hell? What the hell? Uh, he's a mess. I don't, know, I don't know. What, I don't know what you do with him now. He, he's a mess. <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. I, I don't know you know, how I don't know I how think, Rebel I don't know how Rebel fans feel about Josie anymore since he left so long ago. But the man sitting on the bench for Toronto FC and he gets red carded. That's that's hilarious to me. And especially on a night like that, this is a night of celebration for this team, 
for all these years, and this guy has to go and do that and get himself thrown out. Yeah. He's a mess. Yeah, he, look, no, other way, no other word to put it for the guy. Yeah, and, and the, what's what's you crazy? Know, what's crazy guy. from your perspective? Obviously, I mean, I, you know, I think somebody called. I can't remember. Was it Mark Fishkin? Was it you that I talked to about the Red Bulls' chances? Maybe it was. And we looked at, you know, we looked at who Toronto FC was going to be missing. They were going to be missing Michael Bradley more than likely. We knew Javinko, if he played, it was going to be very tough. I, I, maybe we even talked about this earlier in the week, and there was no chance of Javinko playing. Um, it was all going to come down to Hercules Gomez, Jonathan Osorio, Marky Delgado, and you know what? You know they didn't. They, they needed Javinko to to come in and and score the second goal. But hey, you know the the Rebels didn't do anything either until Bradley Wright Phillips late. So you know what accounts for that? That's that's a that's a first choice lineup for the best team in the Eastern Conference, Bill. Yeah, I'm getting worried. We're a little flat these last couple of games. You know, I hope we don't go into the playoffs this way. And, the only thing I think one same grace we have, and Jesus, uh, why am I forgetting his name? The young guy who's uh, all fun red card now for the next two days, next two games. Uh, oh, Miazga? Miazga. Miazga. I, I think that's a blessing in disguise there because these young guys, towards the end of the season, they tail off. And I'm hoping that this will get him going and he'll be ready to go for the playoffs and he'll come in 100%. He'll play the last game of the season. And then be 100 percent for the playoffs. Uh, let me ask you. And, uh, why I was calling? I was calling about the playoffs. I, okay. I want to see what. What do you think of the schedule for the playoffs? Uh, you know, I haven't even really taken stock of it yet. Um, I know we've got that big gap, right? Uh, because there's an international that that, that no, November. Not, Go ahead. I actually didn't even notice that. The, the thing I noticed that all the games are on Sundays, and they're doing four games in a row. It's uh, like three, five, seven, and nine are the games, and I like it. I think yeah. it's a, a good schedule. I'm real happy with the way the schedule worked this, the whole season long, and I, I think it's pretty good for the playoffs. I don't think it's perfect. I like Friday nights, because I think Friday night could be our night. There's nothing else really in competition with us on a Friday night, but I think it's good that we get all four games in a row. We get to watch all four games. There's none of this talk about, ah, oh, this team has a little less rest than the other team. I think it's fair. I think it's good. I like it. Okay, fair enough. You know, look, they they they've, they've decided to make their bet on Sundays. I mean, that's when the na- that's the national TV day now. We used to get national TV games on Thursday nights, on Saturdays, on. Uh, I mean, obviously Friday is, is is also a national TV night in terms of uh, Unimas and everything else. But I, I I guess if you're going to stake a claim. Go ahead. I mean, Sunday is not a good day, Bill. Not not in the fall. We know we know that. I mean, this is why Trevor is advocating for a schedule switch almost entirely because you're going up against the NFL and you're going to get housed every time. Um, you're not going to get any attention at all for your most important part of the season. I and I can, you know, I I can't argue that he's right on some level, but you know, you can't. You're not going to play a bunch of playoff games on a Friday. There's college football on Saturday. You're going to have to deal with something. Why not find a partner yeah, that, who who has and you need look you absolutely need these games on the biggest platform possible and right now that's ESPN and Fox Sports One those are your broadcast partners if that's when they have room that's when they have room I mean you can't do much about that yeah I, I, I think it's the best you can do you know and I, I like the way they threw all four on the, the same day I, I like that I, I'm kind of happy with it you know okay. I'm so, like we were talking about, you go talking about haters. You know, people are going to hate, like, Javinko with that great goal. They're going to find something to hate about. And I know people are going to find stuff to hate about this schedule. But I think it's it's the best we can do with what we have right now. Okay. And, like, I like Friday nights, but I understand, too, you can't have four games on a Friday night. That's obvious. Yeah. I, I think it's good. I think it's a good schedule. Yeah, you got uh, November 1st and November 8th, 3, 5, 7, 9, 30. That's, uh, or 3, 5, 7, 10, 7, 30, 10 on, on the second Sunday. So, I mean... You know, set yourself up, get your snacks. Get, I mean, have a part. Look, if you were one of those people, and look, I I love the NFL. I'm I'm a I, I mean, you know, I have my problems with it these days, but I love my team. I watch my team. I care about my team. But if you're a soccer fan, if you're if you like MLS, not everybody does, but if you do and you like the playoffs, then make a point to watch these games. Make a point to to find a way to to make it a part. I mean, that's that's a party right there. You started, you know, you get people coming in door two two thirty. They don't have to leave until until midnight. You can go. <laughs> you have a great time. And I'm even thinking, like around the stadium. Also, we have a game, we have a home game. We can go watch out of the bar. Right? Absolutely. The and, and you know so what? It ends up being we're all together watching these. 
the, those teams that are in the playoffs um, who play maybe play the early games uh, or even the, even the later games, uh, if you want to open the doors early, I know that's tougher. They should be showing this stuff in the stadium, right? So let's say the Red Bulls are playing the early game on on the first Sun. I don't know that they are, but let's say that, that they would they end up playing the the three o'clock game. You know, put put the five o'clock game on the big screen. Maybe not the seven and the nine, but put the five o'clock game on the big screen. Let people hang out. Make make it important for people to pay attention to the whole league rather than their just their own team. Because that's a that's our problem. That's that's the MLS problem, Bill. Is that the league has, is trying to convert people from being local fans into national fans? Yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm kind of hoping this could lead to it because I, I kind of think people that are watching their team now you can go on to the next game right after it. I, I think this will open it up a little bit for everybody. Okay, there you go. I mean, I, I, I want we, to we throw don't... one more thing out. Of it. Okay, we just real quick though. We don't know the. I'm worried about Dallas. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. I'm worried about Dallas winning the Supporters Shield, and for me, especially all the teams in the West, I can't think of a worse place to have a sport, uh, MLS Cup than Dallas. Really? I, I just, every time I watch a game that's played in Dallas, I I, I feel like the the fans don't show up to that stadium. I, I don't feel the the atmosphere through the TV. Obviously, I'm not there. I, I don't feel it. While like all those other stadiums, and even LA, I know they're a little bit more laid back, but even LA, I think is much much better. And yeah. I think Dallas is the worst one to get it. And I'm kind of worried they're going to win the Sporting Shield yeah. and end up hosting MLS Cup. You know, objectively speaking. Out of the six teams that are currently in the playoff places in the West, and, and, and more than likely these will be our, our six teams, FC Dallas, LA, Vancouver, Sporting, Seattle, and Portland, I think objectively you'd have to say that uh, definitely the worst. They, they have the worst atmosphere. And, and that's, I mean, Dallas fans can get upset about that, but I mean, you've got to be fair to yourselves. That's probably true. So, I, I mean, if you're looking at it that way, I agree with you, Bill. I, I've been there before, but it was kind of pre-awakening in Dallas, and... uh there were not a lot of people, and you know that being an open stadium, uh, you know the the sound just kind of goes up in the air and disappears. It's not, it doesn't have a unless you unless it's completely and utterly packed wall to wall, and they can do that. They can get that done. I think it'd be okay if they did that, but it would it would it definitely wouldn't be on the level of anybody else out west, and it wouldn't be on the level of Red Bull Arena or or even BMO, which is bigger now but still open. Um, RFK is weird. We always know that. Uh, obviously, okay. The worst place, the, it's not the worst place in the league for an MLS Cup final, though. The worst place in the league for an MLS Cup final is New England. We just, you have to hope that somehow. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. The, well, that's why I said from the West Coast teams. Cause yeah, no, I know, New yeah. England. But by that point, my Red Bulls are out and I'll be sick anyway. Right. So it won't make a difference to me. Right, right, right. I, I, I still maintain, and, and you can hate me all you want and call me a big market homer or whatever. I still maintain that. It would be st- it would be amazing to have an MLS Cup final at Red Bull Arena, either against the Galaxy or the Sound or somebody like that. I- it, th- it would be huge for MLS. No question about it. New York, LA, there New York, go. LA, and Red Bull Arena would be nothing better. Appreciate the phone call, Bill. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks, Dick. There goes Bill in New York. A little bit of delay there talking to Bill. Let's uh, let's. Hey, you know what? Rebel fans are going to represent. We'll just talk to Rebel fans all day. Eddie in Brooklyn. What's going on, man? Hey, what's up, man? Um, I kind of just going and kind of disagree with Bill about the whole playoff schedule. Okay, I hate to do it to him. Um, right, Sunday, December sixth is the final, right? So, assume the Rebels make it. You know what else is going on Sunday, December sixth? I'm going to guess the the Giants are playing and the Jets are playing something. Mm, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. The Giants and the Jets are playing, except they're playing each other. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so while I'm sitting here saying a Red Bull Arena MLS Cup final will be great for the league, it definitely wouldn't get uh, New York headlines on that day. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely buried by the press. I'm pretty sure the traffic will be a nightmare. So getting to the stadium, I mean, it's at 4 o'clock, and you know how the NFL likes to flex their game. So the Jets and the Giants are in contention. It could be a nightmare coming in and out of Jersey. Uh, it's, uh, to, to go on Sundays when college football, you know, you can compete with college football more than you compete with NFL, I think it's a mistake to be personally honest. I would have preferred if the schedules would have been on Saturday. Not to mention for my own personal interest, as much soccer as I watch, I like to get away from the sport every once in a while, sometimes watching the NFL and, 
you know, their wife beating tendencies is my way out. <laughs> and with all these games on Sundays, I already know I have to work them. So I can't, now I can't watch the NFL. So yeah. for two reasons, I'm just not a fan of the schedule. Man, that, that, that kills me though. I mean, really, I was, I was thinking, I mean, the, I was really, I was really sort of hyping myself up to the idea of a Red Bull Arena MLS Cup final. That place, when it's full, rocks, and it's got that, it's got that European vibe because of being enclosed the way it is. We just don't get that anywhere else in this league. Um, so now I got to go for the, my, I got to figure out my second choice. I, I got to figure out, and I don't even know. Like, okay, let's let's imagine somehow the Sounders right now are in fifth place. Let's imagine the Sounders somehow manage to get a better seed. And come out of the West and are higher than have higher have a higher point total than somebody in the in the East, which is is possible, especially with everybody uh, everybody in the East outside of the Red Bulls being on uh, being on less than fifty points right now. That I don't know if the sound I don't know if the Seahawks are playing that. I mean, how how do the, how does MLS deal with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't want them to host it anyway because, you know, just talking to the fans, they don't deserve that kind of happiness. But <laughs> I couldn't imagine just putting up with them for a week okay. going into that match that they're hosting MLS Cup. Yeah, let me, let me just – I'm just checking the I'm just checking the schedule. Uh, this only goes to week 13. What are you, crazy? What are you kidding me? Come on. Sorry, the Google NFL schedule doesn't go all the way to week uh, – let's see, week 14. Let's see. Just taking a look here. All right, week fourteen. Is, damn, what are you doing to me? All right, hold on. Google's not cooperating. All right, we've got uh, Seahawks, Seahawks at the Ravens on that day, so that wouldn't be a conflict NFL wise. I'm assuming no football lines, but as you said, maybe the Sounders fans don't. Do, no, come on. If you were being objective about it, Eddie. And, and and even being a Red Bulls fan, you have to know from a league perspective, a Red Bull Arena final isn't good on a day the Jets are playing the Giants. Where would you? Where else would you think it would be? I mean, you know, it's about who wins. Don't get me wrong, but what would be the next best atmosphere for this thing? Just looking at the East, not New England, not DC, um, not so much Montreal. It could probably be miserable in Montreal. Like, same could be said for Toronto, but I think Toronto would maybe have a better atmosphere. Well, they they'd get thirty. Uh, they'd, get, they'd get thirty thousand people in that building, which is at least uh, a, a number that can create some noise. I mean, they'd have a great crowd when they fill that place up. So if they could do that, we've had we've had an MLS Cup final in Toronto, and it was a disaster, but it also didn't involve Toronto FC. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the Galaxy can get numbers. The Galaxy can get what twenty seven thousand. Yes, that's their max. Yeah, but that, but that's that, that's twenty seven. That's that's a week's loss twenty seven thousand. Like I remember the Flashes final. It didn't feel like a final. It didn't have uh, that kind of atmosphere. I was Where, I, like twenty four thousand in Rebel Arena would feel like fifty. Yeah, I, I was there. It uh, I've been there the last tw- last two times that game has been in L A. It's not it's not hyped. I mean it it is it's a good crowd. It's a fun crowd. It's a it's it's a they're they're they can be loud at times, but it is not. It's not. It's definitely not Rebel Arena full. No, not even close. I would say, I mean, Sporting Kansas City, we, we've seen that before. That, that would probably be up there. Um, maybe, I mean, Vancouver, those bed sheets are not a good look. No, I don't think so either. I, I never, I mean, I, I always kind of, I'm always kind of torn about how to feel about Vancouver and BC Place. It doesn't, it doesn't seem great, but the crowd's pretty loud, but it's, it's weird. I mean, it's just a weird environment. And they play on turf, which I'm never going to be a fan of. And that's the same thing with Seattle. Same thing with Portland. Although Portland's never, yeah. Portland's not going to be coming out of the West and have an advantage on whoever wins the East. That's just probably unlikely to happen. So we don't, we, we're probably not going to get a Providence Park final as fun as that might be. I, I, I don't, I don't think there's a great, I don't think there's a great spot for this final considering the schedule. No, I mean, I still think you still have to think the Rebels get out of the East because I still think that they're the better team. And I'm not even sweating last night's loss because I always thought 60 was the magic number. And there's still in Chicago left on the schedule. If you can't win those two games, like I said before, you don't you just don't deserve to win the supporters. Really. Yeah, but Chicago is so giving I, you I fits. I think that they get to 60. Yeah, but sh- Chicago's been giving you fits all year. Yes, yeah, granted, but, you know, the the moment is going to be bigger than anything in years past. Okay, fair right? enough. You can talk about the Rebels' history in Chicago, but that moment is going to supersede anything that happened ten years ago or fifteen years ago. It's going to be about 
getting the job done there. I'm not, yeah, I'm not into that whole history thing because these guys, this 18 didn't play in, in 1998 in Chicago. This 18 didn't have any heartbreaking playoff losses. This 18 will be concentrating on winning the supporter shield. And as a coach, that will be your job to get that message across, not to worry about past failures that you had nothing to do with. And let me ask you a question, Eddie. Um, as a Red Bull fan, and, and look, you got the one trophy in your history. We know about the, you know, the Metro stuff and whatever. I mean, I, I don't want to. You know, there's obviously not a, a lot of success to draw on. But, I mean, I was talking about that Jovinko goal, and it's not just the quality of the goal though, that, that ramps it up. It's that moment that they got with their, their biggest star <clears throat> flying back from playing for Italy, one of the most famous national teams in the world, stepping onto the field, going and scoring that goal. I mean, you know, to, to get them into the playoffs. I mean, ultimately it proved to be the game winner. At the time, you maybe didn't know that. But that's going to be that's going to be the the moment that the fans talk about they get to tell their kids about in ten fifteen twenty years. Do the rebels have that moment right now? Thierry Henry's goal, uh, two thousand and thirteen, when he played it off his chest and then on the volley and just beat Sean Johnson from about thirty yards out. It equalized the game, but after Thierry Henry scored that goal, we knew we were winning the sport shield. Okay. Like whenever I think about that supporter shoot in 2013, I think of that goal, and I still really, to this day, the best goal I've ever seen in my life in person. I don't know, and my son was there with me, and, and to the, you know, we, we still have the game on our DVR, and we always, we watch the first 25 minutes just to live up to that moment, watch it, and just fast forward it to the goals. Okay. So, we have the moment, and, and it's, it's bigger than just clenching a bird. It's to us to basically clench the supporter shoot. Yeah, first uh, first and only trophy in the, in the club's history, so I imagine that that's got to stand out. Okay, that's good. I like that. I mean, I I I, I want to see. You know, I'm trying to figure out if if every MLS team's got one of those yet. I don't know. Twenty years isn't a long time, but it should be long enough for most teams to have that moment. I I don't I don't know if everyone's going to measure up to that or to to Jovinko, but there's got to be something there for for everybody. I hope hope we have that. You got anything else, Eddie? Before I let you go. No, man. That's pretty much it. All right. Appreciate the phone call. Right, there goes uh, Eddie in Brooklyn. Good stuff from him. Uh, let's talk to it's all New York all the time. Bill up in Queens. What's going on, Bill? Hey, Jason. Uh, I had a couple thoughts about a uh, Concacaf Cup last weekend. Uh, first being, uh, do you think that in their infinite wisdom, uh, Concacaf actually succeeded in creating a spectacle uh, for for people to watch in this event, which is essentially just a money grab? Yes, unfortunately. I mean, unfortunately, considering it's a money grab. It it was everything they could hope it it would be. All right, now here's the second question I have that kind of goes with that. Considering that you had ninety thousand people in the Rose Bowl, you had you know one and a half million people watching on TV. Why would anyone feel that Concacaf wouldn't want two separate teams to win a Gold Cup every two years? Because if you're yeah. going to have an event like this. Uh-huh. It really does kind of lead into that whole conspiracy to have thing. You know, are we going to set the team that wins up, you know, the first time to lose the second time? Yeah, uh, you and Jurgen Klinsmann might get along on this topic. I, I'm not. I don't want to believe that that sort of thing is in play, especially considering the current environment around FIFA, around Concacaf. But at the same time, you can't put it past people. You can't. I mean. You know, I want to believe that those referees are on the up and up because otherwise, why am I watching the game? Uh, you can, you're completely ruined it for me. The integrity is gone. So I have to believe that that's not the case. But if you consider how, how successful the CONCACAF Cup was, why wouldn't I want to repeat it come four years, uh, you know, in four years' time? And uh, why wouldn't they maybe make sure that that happens? It's a good point. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think I should just change the qualification rules and saying that, you know, if you, maybe for instance, if you win both tournaments rather than just automatically going to the Confederation Cup, how about your country hosts the CONCACAF Cup or something like that? And that just, you know, either if well, uh, the okay, same team wins twice and the same runner up is the same runner up, you know, have them qualify. Well, because we will have them play off. Why you, not? We'll you, have more you, games. Well, that's okay. You've, you're complicating matters even more. I mean, remember that they had to jam this game into a FIFA window. To make it what it could be, otherwise you can't play it outside of a FIFA window. You just can't do that. So if you have a if you have to have a semifinal or you have to have a another game to determine the team that plays the Gold Cup winners, then you have to find a place for it. Um, I, I you again, 
You're, you're right, right. But, but the change is this is Comcast. There, there are plenty of international windows uh, that we just play these meaningless friendly things. And considering that the UEFA is in the middle of this League of Nations nonsense that they're doing, that's going to open up more opportunities for Comcast teams to play, you know, other events such as this because they're not going to get a chance to play Spain and okay. England okay. and Germany because they're going to be uh, too busy doing these meaningless friendlies in this uh, League of Nations. Okay, event. that's one concern. The other concern is that's flat out unfair. A team wins two Gold Cups and they have to play a game to get to the Confederations Cup. They've been champions twice. How how hey, is it my fa- idea? This Comcast stupid idea. <laughs> okay, uh, I look. I know what you're saying. You're saying working from the premise that they want this game, how do you make it so it's not com- not setting up for referee shenanigans? That's that's essentially what you're saying. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't exactly. know. And, and you might as well just, just change the, the rules so that it doesn't lead to, you know, any kind of discussion. Oh, well, you know, they, they set this team up to fail. No, at least say this tournament's going to happen anyway. And, uh, or, or, you know, I don't know. It, it's... You have to do something to make it seem like it's on the up and up. And the way it is now, it's clearly set up, considering the success of the month Saturday night, that you have to have this game. Yeah. Yeah, again, we're, we're talking about issues of integrity in the sport. My and everybody else having to... Uh, you know, have, having to have some cognitive dissonance as we watch this thing because otherwise we'll drive ourselves crazy. We all know what happened at this Gold Cup. It certainly feeds in to the notion that there was um, an effort to create a, a playoff game between the USA and whoever won, but still, I can't. I just can't get myself. I, I can't get myself until we see proof of it, Bill. I can't. I can't buy. I can't buy that it's actually happening. And you know, let's. There are ways to overcome. I mean, if you're getting screwed, you're getting screwed. But the United States played terribly in that Gold Cup. It didn't. It, it ultimately didn't matter. That the ref, if the referees were trying to make sure that there was a new champion, and I know that Mexico got the benefit of a lot of calls, but I tend to think that that's because they're Mexico, not because it was about finding another champion. Precisely, I I don't agree with Clinton that that the referees screwed the United States out of uh, the Gold Cup, but I do believe that the referees helped Mexico in that Gold Cup because clearly, what was what was the contingency if Jamaica won uh, the Gold Cup? If this Concacaf Cup would have played at Red Bull Arena, twenty five thousand people, something tickets, like whatever. That. Yeah, but ninety thousand like people and uh, you know one and a half million just on the English network alone. That's a lot of reason uh, for for that one team to be in there, and they kind of set this thing up so that uh, you know no matter what, one of these teams they're going to want to win every every two years, and I and I think that that's the 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 big issue here. You know, this is what it, it, it occurs to me. This is one of those ideas that tends to happen in, in world soccer, where it sounds okay on paper, but then you get to the actual practical application. And you go, "What the hell were we thinking?" This is like having the voting for twenty eighteen and twenty twenty two at the same time. All that did was lead to horse trading, and here we are. Indeed. Hey, just one last thing: Who you got in the uh, USF final on Friday? Rochester uh, Los Dos. Uh, considering I've seen neither of those teams play once this year. I have no idea. I think it would be interesting to see an MLS second team, uh, an MLS USL team win the title, but I'm not sure that's good necessarily. So I might, I might root for the old Rhinos. Cool. All right, man. Thanks for taking my call. There goes uh, Bill in Queens. Good stuff from him. All right. That seems like a good place to wrap it up. Phone calls are slowing down. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. Big Friday edition. Uh, wait, do we have one more? Do I have one more call? I'd like to get it in. Okay, never mind. It seems to be gone. We will uh, be back tomorrow. Looking ahead to a weekend, the, the club season or the club, ga- uh, club game back on track after the international uh, windows closed. Uh, window closed. Whatever. We're moving on. I, I'm keep seeing this phone call. I'm trying to determine if I need to take it or not. We'll 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 see in a second. Let me just wrap this up. We've, uh, we've got MLS, play, big playoff implications on the weekend. You've got uh, certainly Jurgen Klopp making his debut as Liverpool manager against Tottenham Hotspur. That's, I think that's the game most people are focused on when it comes to the English Premier League, and rightfully so. Uh, we've got, uh, obviously, Bundesliga, Serie A, La Liga. Lots of things happening in FIFA. Um, we'll take a look. Uh, we'll take, maybe we'll take a look at that USL uh, championship game, that USL final between... LA Galaxy 2 and the Rochester Rhinos. I mean, we a, a legacy team. I mean, the Rhinos are, what, 25 years old at this point? 
a legacy team in, uh, in American soccer uh, up in Rochester against the against the the USL outfit of an MLS side. I think that's extremely interesting. We'll see how that turns out um, in the USL uh, in the USL division. I'll, I'll be looking. You know, I'll be, we'll obviously be looking at all of this uh, all of this news and how it shakes out. Uh, we got um, uh, got lots to cover here on Soccer Morning. Make sure you go to. Make sure you go uh, to uh, backhill.com, worldsoccertalk.com. Go follow Soccer Morning on Twitter. That's a nice thing to do. Helps us out a lot. Let me get that music going. All right. Thank you very much to everybody that called in. All the bills. Eddie. Uh, Who did I miss? Somebody else? I don't know. Talk to you guys tomorrow on Soccer Morning. See you then. Bye. Did my invitations disappear? Put my heart